Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would, please. Those of you who are first time here, this is just our Bible confession, opening our hearts to God. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I, all this comes many years ago. Started my first church. John Osteen called me, Joel's daddy, and known the Osteens forever. And I'll never forget John Osteen, the words he imparted to me and the love that he demonstrated toward me. And the Bible confession lives on. And he's the one that started it. And I've been doing it now forever. And so it opens your heart to what God might want to say to you today. As much as I have a message, a corporate message that I believe might help all of us, I believe God has a message for each one of us today inside this message. Because we're all living in different places and going through different problems and facing different adversities in our lives. And with that said, open your heart to Holy Spirit. Uh, the reason I came back to Oklahoma City is I was sitting in a church, a friend of mine's church, I wasn't a front row guy at that time. I was just kind of sitting back and hadn't done it in so many years. And, and uh, three-quarters of the way up in the auditorium, the preacher was preaching. But there was another voice inside me speaking to me. And uh, for those of you who prayed me back from the beaches to here, <laughs> I was doing just fine on a little island and uh, But I'm thankful to be back and thankful for the leaders I've had to speak into my life. Uh, we've been doing a series, for those of you who have not been here, uh, on maturing. Um, you know, I've, throughout the years, uh, I've gone through many cycles of, of growth. And when I got born again, I came out of a really rough spot and uh, really gave my life to Jesus and, and needed him so desperately that I would be at church uh, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I would be there before the doors opened because I knew I desperately needed to put myself in a place where God could could really help me. And I did that. And then all of a sudden, uh, the people who knew my past wanted me to share my testimony so that I could scare kids <laughs> and, and tell them how bad life is on the other side and you don't want to go to hell and this is what happens. And and all of a sudden, so I began that process. And then I, I had a couple of uh, elder saints who are with Jesus today that really didn't know me. A lot of people knew who I was, not because of what I would become, but because of who I had been. And began to share with me, they felt like God had called me to preach. And uh, that scared me because I was in a full gospel church and I didn't know how to interpret messages in tongues. <laughs> You know, it kind of freaks you out when you're put on the spot and somebody starts and you're going, I guess I better say something. Anyway, so 
There were just so many roadblocks to me wanting to do what I'm doing today, but it was a process of, of God maturing me and helping me understand that, that every step of the way, every step I took and every mountain I faced, that he would walk with me, he would carry me through. And I've, over the years, I know there was a season when I felt like I was a mature Christian, and I think that probably was the most dangerous place I've ever been in my life thinking that I had arrived at some place that uh, I knew enough now, and I didn't say this, and I really didn't intentionally think it, but you do sometimes get to places where you're so familiar and, and you become fairly good at what you do that, that you no longer, you're not pushing God away, but you're not including God and adding him in, and that's when I realized I never wanted to become a mature Christian again. Because I wanted to stay a green banana. I wanted to stay someone that was constantly becoming ripe in God and, and growing in God. And, and that's the way I feel today. Uh, all of us, even the people under the bridge at, at Northwest Expressway and Penn, they're just as important as us and just as loved as us. Now, they may not be in an important position, but they are as loved and as valued by God as we are. And I think sometimes we get in a place where we start looking at who, the position we're in and, and thinking that we may be more than we are. And I just never want to get there again. I, I can easily admit the arrogance and the things in my life that, that pushed me in places I didn't want to go. And so when this series came about, it's been weeks now that I just continue to remind myself that uh, if I stay submitted to the process of God, I will see the progress of God in my life. And if you see the progress, the progress will lead to his promise. And so, it, but it is a work because God wants to elevate everyone. God wants to take us uh, to places of influence, not for our glory, not for our reputation, but for his glory and his reputation. And he has a reputation of being an awesome God. And so I want us to always remember that we're never too good to do what God asks us to do. Uh, for many years, uh, I, my heart has always been, and, and again, this is not putting me in any position better than anybody else. I've just always loved hurting people, I think, because I was a hurting person. And uh, I feel like my call has always been to try to bring the broken pieces of humanity together to create a beautiful mosaic and be a picture of God bringing people from every walk of life together, understanding we're all in the same boat. And so, yeah, you may come in here and, and, and there would be people that would walk in and, and probably judge uh, us. And even when I was pastoring Victory that... You know, we had everything from strippers to bikers to, we had one biker that would bring his little dog Velcroed on his shoulder to church. It was weird. Um, I admit it, but I, what do you do? You know, I mean, number one, I was afraid he'd kill me if I said anything. Uh, <laughs> but number two, I thought, how cool is this that religious people are being forced to love people different than them? And uh, trust me, we've always been different. I've never had to try to recruit some of you that think you're uh, unlovable, unlikable, and hopeless. I got good news for you. It doesn't matter what you look like. God loves you, and you're full of hope, and your future is bright. 
So if we can just put aside all the positions and titles and all the things that oftentimes we use to define ourselves and to make ourselves feel better about ourselves, let me tell you the only thing that makes me feel really good anymore is I am loved by God if nobody else loves me. And I'm going to heaven whether anybody thinks I am or not. And that this is the day God has made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it even though some of it really sucks. Um, you know, I mean, there are, and sometimes people think, you know, why are you so optimistic? What good does it do to be pessimistic? I mean, if, 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 uh, if things aren't going your way, it doesn't do you any good to talk about things aren't going your way. You can look and say, it's just got to get better. And I just believe it's going to get better. And so that's where this whole series began, and Philippians 1.6 became a real power of Scripture in my life. He who began a good work in me will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Not until the day I have a big church, not until the day people respect me, not until the day I have a reputation. No, none of that matters. God who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion regardless of, of, of what position you hold. God wants to put you in a position to influence other people to believe in him and to believe in themselves. The Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself until you love you. You will never have success at loving anyone else. So today, I want you to find love for yourself. When people talk to me about themselves, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm overweight, whatever. I like to say, quit beating yourself up. I mean, look, if, if you feel like you're overweight, just look in the mirror and say, there's just a whole lot more of me to love than some, some skinny person out there. <laughs> And I just hurt some man who's been begging his wife to lose weight. You need to shut up and say, honey, i just so thankful for you. I feel like I'm cuddling with a donut. Well, don't get no better than that. All right. So. <laughs> I knew this was going to be a little different better than 930, but I didn't realize we were talking donuts and people all in the same <laughs> sentence. But... <laughs> So when we can tell we're maturing as we respond to different opportunities and adversities. Number one, not every opportunity is from God. So when I say responding to opportunity and adversity, sometimes the opportunity that you need to address may not be an opportunity for you or it may not be the time for that opportunity. And maturing Christians always look to God. And, you know, you've heard the old saying, if it looks too good to be true, it may be. Uh, and that's not always the case, but even with opportunities, a person who is maturing in God doesn't say, wow, this is it. This is what God has for me because it may not be. You may have to turn something down. When I first thought I would never preach again after two years of being silent, there was a church in Chicago that called me. And the pastor, uh, I met with him, and he, he rolled out the carpet of being his executive and overseeing thousands. And, and it was just a really great offer because I really didn't think I would ever preach again. And um, so I, I, I met with him. Everything was just incredible. But at, overnight, uh, I felt the heart of God when I woke up in the morning saying, this is not yours. This is not for you. And... Uh, of course, with the condition of Chicago right now, I'm sure glad it wasn't for me. But, you know, it was pretty sexy at the time, but they're killing people up in there now. So anyway, 
I had that opportunity. It not only wasn't for me at any time. It just wasn't. It wasn't for me. But, but when you're maturing, even that, and it looked really good because I thought, you know, I can get out of here. I can go do my thing. And then y'all kept praying. And here we are. But then there's adversity when we look and we say, you know, this is terrible. It's going to get worse. And and the reality is God said he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. No matter what you're going through, you're going to go through. And and so if if we can embrace that, even in our darkest hour, and and we've had some dark hours. I've I've been through two hurricanes and, and properties that got blown away and, and hurt and injured and harmed and I just finally said, you know, God, I, I'm gonna, I'm alive, and I'm gonna be fine. Um, you know, tough times happen, and and you know, there have been times lay in bed at night, you just cry, and you just kind of go, God, I don't get it, but I trust you, and I'm gonna stand with you, and I'm gonna believe with you. Uh, it's gonna be okay. So whatever you're going through, there's not an adversity greater than the cross, and you have not sinned bigger than the blood of Christ. And so don't give up on life. Don't quit. Don't 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 stop. There, there's opportunity before you, and it may be for you, and it may not be, but this is a part of maturing. There was a lady, story of a lady, a Jamaican woman who had sent a letter to Jesus, sat down, hard copy, put it in an envelope, sent it to the, through the postal service, and she says, Jesus, I need $100 to help with my bills. The letter goes to the post office, and it wasn't sealed well, so the postal worker saw the letter and decided to read it. Feeling sorry for the lady, she took it upon herself to give some of her own money and then rallied some co-workers, and they raised $90, and they sent it to the lady. Well, the woman received it, but she wrote back, and she said, Jesus, um, thank you so much for the $90, but naturally, coming through the postal service again, as it would, she said, uh, Next time, send the money directly to me, not through the post office. A thief stole $10. (laughs) Now, as much as I admire her boldness, I'm thinking to myself, if we're maturing, we look and go, thank God for the 90. And oftentimes, people who are not maturing only look at the negative, the $10 that didn't show up instead of being thankful for the 90 that did. So when you're maturing, you get thankful for the little things. If somebody wanted to give you a car but it wasn't the right color, you're not going to care about the color. You care about the car. And you get thankful for whatever it is God has done for you. Now, God has done some great things for me, and sometimes he's been on point, and other times I look and say, God, you missed this one. That was not exactly what I prayed for. But see, sometimes we, being human, pray for things that God doesn't want us to have, not because he doesn't want us to have them, but because they would harm us if we did have them. So every time that something good happens, you can thank God that something more didn't happen because if he'd have wanted it to, he could have and would have, but he didn't for a reason. That's where it comes back to it's always been real easy for me to love God, but it hasn't always been easy for me to trust God. And uh, if you think about it, I want to be loved by my wife, but I want to be trusted by my wife as much as I want to be loved by my wife. And, and I think that's a big deal.
And, and we all make mistakes and we all do things. But at the end of the day, I'm not your judge. All I'm called to do is love. As I said last week, you know, it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. It's our job to love. And uh, that's it. And so, you know, if, if somebody's talking about you, the tendency, our human nature is, if we're being judged or someone's talking about us, our human nature is to fight back, to defend. And yet, when I look at the life of Jesus, there were times he was falsely accused, and the Bible says he remained silent. Now, I'm a type A. It's very difficult for me to remain silent. I mean, growing up, I even talked in my sleep. I mean, type A's, you know, we just can't shut up. And so there are times, you know, when I was going through the toughest time, I'd get up every day about 3 a.m. and I'd pray and I would write. And, and finally one day, and I, this may sound harsh and some of you really sweet people may take offense at this, but God just kind of talks to me like where I come from. And I'm praying and God said, you know what, why don't you just shut up and let me talk? Now that's offensive to some of y'all, but it got my attention. Because that's how I grew up. And God, you know what? A lot of times we think prayer is us talking to God. But a lot of times, really, prayer is God talking to us. And so sometimes we just need to be silent. I, I mean, I, I have no idea why people think it's so important to talk about preachers. I mean, we're just people like you. And we have to stand up and we talk every week. And the Bible says, words are many. Sin is not absent. We know every week I probably sinned. I know last week I did. I didn't even air the 11. I couldn't even believe what I said. I went, oh, God, will anybody show up next week? And so there are just times if we could just look at ourselves in the mirror and laugh, we'd be a lot better off because we just, our human nature is stupid. I didn't say we're stupid. I said our human nature is stupid. You're brilliant. But the reality is we do things and we say things, and if we're maturing, guess what? We look and go, oops, <laughs> and you move on. But many people that can't say oops and own their own mistakes never move on, and they never find themselves living in the destiny of God because they stop in the mistake of man. And if you're going to live in the destiny of God, you've got to overcome the mistake of man, embrace it, apologize, and move on. So let me get started. That was a, that was a long introduction. Hopefully you got something out of that, and we'll get right to this. Maturity, or people, people who are maturing, uh, eventually get to a place of humility. Humility is, is a position of, it's not weakness. Matter of fact, humility is a strength that says, I am aware I make mistakes. I have no problem repenting to God for making those mistakes. And this is the bigger step. I have no problem repenting to my people in my life for those mistakes. Some people can't say I'm sorry. Some people can't say I apologize. Some people can't live with themselves if they admit they're wrong. Quite frankly, I don't know how anybody lives in themselves knowing they're wrong and not being able to admit it. 
that is a miserable place to be because what you're saying is I'm perfect and I want everybody to think I'm perfect, but I know I'm not perfect, but I want other people to believe I am. First off, nobody's perfect. Only Jesus was. You can be a person of excellence, but you are not a perfect human being. The Bible says not only that, there's not one righteous, not even one. We are only the righteousness of God in Christ. That's the only way we can even declare righteousness. So all I'm trying to do is relieve you of this perfection complex that you were told you had to have as a kid. And, and, and so the pendulum has swung a long way. When I was growing up and I was playing ball, I played on some really good teams, city championship teams. And, and uh, you know, but, but back in the day when I played, you earned that. You, you, you know, you were expected. And, and there's some balance here. I'll get to that in a minute. But if you finished in eighth place, you didn't get a trophy. You can finish number 13 nowadays and look, you're great. And you get a big trophy. That's a lie. You're not great. Your team stunk. Don't feel bad about it. We're just telling you there's a whole lot of room for you to improve. That's not a bad way to put it. Look, you finished 13. We stunk it up. Let's go for 12 or 11 next year. We lie. We lie about things. And I'm not saying you're mean, but I want to be better. And, and there have been, I've had some good enough friends that there were times that I wasn't good that they told me I wasn't good. Now they did it lovingly. And they said, you know, we'd really like to see you improve. And, and, you know, when you talk, if you're around somebody who's talking about other people, then they're talking to other people about you. And if you say, well, I'm not the one talking, yeah, but you are the one listening, and those words will penetrate your soul, and you will create some opinion about that person being talked about if you listen to it. And the person that's gossiping and judging somebody else, they have as much issue in their life, but they don't want you to see that issue, so they have to talk about somebody else so that it'll distract you from the issues they have in their life. That's a lot to say, and I can't repeat it, or I would. So maturing Christians give a lot of grace. And uh, to, to people who are religious, that grace comes off as irresponsible to the person giving the grace. You're being irresponsible. You ought to punish them. It's not my job to punish. It's my job to speak truth. It's my job to encourage that person to walk in truth. It's, that's my job. That's your job. That's our job. The Bible says iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. If somebody's not sharpening you, you're a very dull human being. That flew like a 68 Buick. No, listen, if you don't have someone in your life that is willing to address things in your life that are going to keep the God life out of your life, then you are going to keep doing what you've always done and getting the results you've always gotten. And I, so I'm not talking about judging. I'm talking about being a friend. And, and, and so there's this, this minor difference. If you're not somebody's friend, anytime somebody says, can I give you my opinion, I want to say no. If I want it, I'll ask for it. But some people just go around throwing opinions like pennies. And you know what? Your opinion may not matter, and I can promise you it won't matter if somebody didn't ask for you to share it. But you feel so compelled that you just can't stop yourself. 
But when you are maturing and walking in God, you ask the Spirit of God, is this the time? Is this the place? Is this the person? I used to think that I was Jesus Jr., and whenever he stepped away, I took over. (laughs) I just knew I was right. You would not have wanted to be around me. I didn't want to be around me, but I didn't have anywhere else to go. So there, there's a humility in maturing. There's a humility that says, you know, and anymore, and this is what I'm practicing, and this, I'm not boasting, I'm saying this is what I'm learning, is that sometimes I, when I think I'm right, or let's put it this way, even when I know I'm right, I mean, come on, we, don't you get excited when you, you've been wrong several times and all of a sudden you got this one? Matter of fact, you've Googled it, you can quote it, and you're going to read it to let them know you're right. And everything you get on the internet, internet is not true, by the way. And so, so now I oftentimes say, you know, let's introduce this thought or this idea. I think this might be right. That gives you a way out if you're not right to say, you know, I, I threw this out there and somebody said, well, I heard this, I heard that. And, but, but when you're maturing, you no longer feel the need to be right. It is a wonderful place to live. I'm learning this. Because I was right for the first 40 so years of my life. I was absolutely right. The rest of y'all were dummies. I had to convince myself of that in order to live with myself. You know what I'm saying? And, and then what people do that want to be right so bad is they will spend days researching to find one liar to agree with them. Some of you got it, and some of you won't get it until about 3 o'clock. I'm going to totally wreck your nap. Maturing believers are truth-centered, not justice-minded. In other words, oftentimes we pray, God, let there be justice and, and sick them and whatever. And say, God, I just want them to know the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Truth becomes central. Not justice, not vengeance, but truth. So if you want someone to get theirs, don't ask them to get it through justice and a beating. Ask them to get it through truth and a relationship with God. If your kids are off track, say, God, reveal to them truth. Don't let them hit bottom. I've heard parents say, I'm just waiting for them to hit bottom. Let me tell you, I'm going to disappoint you because I'm throwing a net down there. The last thing you want anyone to do is hit bottom. You say, but yeah, but if they don't hit bottom, they're never going to get better. They might if they heard the truth through love. Because faith speaks truth in love. And people who are not willing to hear the truth, ponder the truth, consider the truth, or consider another perspective are not maturing people. Immature people don't want to hear something that's different than what they already believe. I want to hear. See, I I grew up believing we were the only church going to heaven, and if that were the case, God could have stopped construction decades ago because there weren't that many of us going. And then when I started hearing all the stories about people, you know, Nazarenes and Methodists and all these different Presbyterian and and Catholics and all of this, we were opposed to anybody that didn't have our name on it outside the building. We thought, well, they're just all wrong, and, and, you know. And then all of a sudden, when I started uh, to run across America for the unborn and uh, to raise awareness, and, and, and all of a sudden, the Catholics loved me. 
because I was representing life. And that's become a real opinion. And, and, and they're saying in November elections, that's going to play a big role. And, uh, but, you know, I, I try not to go down that path, but I, I was running for redemption. I was not running for judgment. I was running to help women who are in crisis and raising money for them so I could help them. And, and so the Catholics asked me to come and preach. It was the most bizarre thing. I said, God, how do I preach in a Catholic church? It was the biggest Catholic church in Tulsa. And I, I, my, my sermon was on Mary, do what he said do. <laughs> it worked. I elevated Mary and Jesus all at the same time. And some of you right now are freaking out. Wow, they got all this stuff. Look, I'm going to tell you, I've met some born-again Catholics that make us ashamed. Okay, there you go. That gives you something to go talk about it. I, I always like to throw something out there for lunch. Can you believe he said that? I'm going to tell you something. We're going to be absolutely surprised when we get to heaven. Some of y'all may not even get to go in if you complain. That is theologically inaccurate. Thank you. You see, there are three types of people in your life. There will be three types of people in your life, and you have to understand all of these, okay? Because it, it, it really, this is where it, where it rubber meets the road. Those who helped you in your difficult times. There will be those people that in your difficult times, as much as all of us don't like difficult times, we are called, that's what Jesus did. He helped humanity in our difficult time, and, and he came and gave his life. And you know, people say, well, they don't deserve help. You and I don't deserve heaven. So when you look at somebody and you say they don't deserve it, they may not, but showing them the love of God may make them feel just a little different about God, church, and who we are. You say, well, you know, they just they refuse to work. Yeah, some people do refuse to work. I understand that. And, 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 you know, we can't support them maybe, but we can at least love them. Instead of telling them how bad they are, I hear people talk bad about people standing on street corners. And you don't know their story, and neither do I. I don't know why they're standing there. Maybe some of them are bad people, but some of them just made a couple of bad mistakes and everybody abandoned them during their difficult time. And, you know, I hate it. Every now and then the Holy Spirit tell me, just roll down your window and give them money. And people say, I can't believe you give money. I think they got a swimming pool at home. Well, God bless them. They're smarter than we are. They're not working and they got a pool. <laughs> Needs to be a little applause for these people. That's brilliant thinking right there. I just, I just don't think we ought to look at people and judge them for where they are because we don't know their story. We just don't know their story. Sometimes I just want to sit down and say, tell me your story. When I was out of the pulpit for a couple of years, I'd just go feed the hungry and sit down with them and ask them their story. Tell me how you ended up here. What ended up happening? You've heard the story. Some of them are attorneys. That just, they, just, they just lost hope. They weren't dumb people. They just couldn't make it. There wasn't somebody there to help them in their difficult time. And you say, well, you made your bed. You lie in it. You know, I grew up with all the tough stories. You know, all of us did, you know, suck it up, buttercup, and all that. But the reality is Jesus never said, okay, all mankind, I'm coming, so suck it up. He so loved the world that he gave. God gave his only son. 
He looked at humanity in defiance and said, I'm going to show you a love that will overcome your defiance. Second type of person is uh, those who left you in your difficult times. And this is hard because some people leave because they just don't know what to do and what to say. They're not really mean. They're not mad. They don't know what to do. You know, when Jim Baker got out of prison, Billy Graham embraced him. They put him on the front row of one of Billy Graham's crusades. He was in tears thinking, you know, how could this great group of people love me? And he was asked the question, how many friends did you lose? And, and as much as I think Jim is, is a little different than what I would, he's not my cup of tea. I think he loves God. <laughs> These buckets he's got going. Anyway, so um, <laughs> he said, I didn't lose one friend. He said, I just found out who my friends were. What a brilliant comeback because the reality is the people who don't stick with you in the difficult times were probably really not your friend or they have to admit we don't know how to handle this. People who run out on you are sometimes the people you invested in did not invest back in you. And you have to live with that and you have to be okay with that. And you have to monitor your response to the pain that you're having because we all have it. There have been people I've helped that literally turned on me. And you know what? That may have been God or it wouldn't have happened. That's the way I have to look at it. Say, God, you really believe in me that I can overcome the adversity and the pain of someone walking out on me that I walked in and helped in their darkest hour. And you know what? If I approach it in the flesh, I will have expectations that they will meet my needs instead of God meeting my needs. And I want to expect that God will meet my needs because he will never fail me. So if I have a high expectation of God, I will never be disappointed. But if I have a high expectation of you, or you even have one of me, you will be disappointed because I promise you, there may be a day that you pull out in front of me and I honk at you. You say, well, that's not very Christian of you. In that moment, I might not have been very Christian-like. Because you need to have your license suspended You see what I'm saying? We are all in process to make progress. If you ever remove yourself from the process, and I mean ever, you're never going to be mature. You're never going to be perfect. So we have to surrender to the process in order to experience the progress that God has for us. And trust me, we are all in process regularly, if not daily. Every Saturday night, the devil knocks on my door. You can ask my wife. Saturday nights are the devil's day to try to get me sidetracked from here. What he doesn't understand is oftentimes when he knocks, I get great sermon ideas. I just decide to turn it on him. You're not worthy. Then I'll tell everybody tomorrow I'm not worthy. Now what are you going to say, devil? (laughs) I'm not worthy. There were people who wanted me to be disqualified. I said, well, if you qualified me, I could admit to that. But I was never qualified to start with. Therefore, I cannot be disqualified. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? So what we have to realize is this is the process. We're maturing in God. Third type is those who put you in your difficult time. Now, these are the ones you have to learn to love, the people who put you there. 
You see, the people who put Jesus in his difficult time, I go to the Bible and I find those places. How do I respond? See, most of the time, even Christians, especially mature Christians, don't rely on the word to give a proper response because, after all, they're mature. But when you're going through a difficult time, the manual that you need to be looking at is the Bible. And going, how am I going to respond? Well, I look at Jesus being crucified, perfect man, perfect God, never sinned. And rather than looking down from the cross going, y'all's day's coming. That's Oklahoma. <laughs> if you're from Texas, it's fixing to get bad for y'all. <laughs> Jesus looks down and goes, Father, forgive them because they're idiots. No. They don't know what they're doing. Come on. They knew they were crucifying an innocent man, and yet Jesus said, really, they don't know what they're doing, or I wouldn't be hanging here. See, sometimes people who are crucifying you, they really don't know what they're doing. It's like they want to crucify you because they don't like you. It's not because they found you guilty, but they just don't like you. And that's when you look and say, Father, if they knew me, they'd love me. Because I'm just like them. I have sin all over me, coursing through my veins. I have moments that I want to reach out and slap someone. And don't tell me you haven't had that feeling. When you got up this morning, I promise you, if you're married and have kids, you wanted to slap somebody. Somebody in that house is getting it. Matter of fact, I had people say, yeah, we got dressed and we're on our way to church, but we got in a fight. This is the best place to be because I'm a great referee. <laughs> we'll get you on the other side of this. Both of you, back to your corners right now. <laughs> you see, God doesn't change his mind about you. Other people might. God never changes his mind about you. Everything you were born with in the womb, God's never changed his mind about you. His purposes, his calling. Matter of fact, I love uh, Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, out of the Amplified, said, for God's gift and his call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them when once they are given, and he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. You see, we quit on people. And people quit on us. But God will never quit on you. And you've got to remember that. God will never quit on you. So don't ever quit on God. And you're going to make mistakes the rest of your life. Mistakes are going to be made by others that affect you the rest of your life. And let me tell you, the Bible says when a thief is caught stealing, he has to pay back seven times. I've been praying for a decade. I'll leave it right there. <laughs> but I, I'm not going to give my peace away. I'm not going to give my joy away. I'm not going to give my love away. I'm going to keep living, loving, and laughing. And y'all know that. 
you, if, if this is your first time at Mosaic and you don't like to laugh, you probably want to find another place of worship because I love to laugh. And some people say, you know, that one lady told me one time, she said, I'm leaving your church. There's just too much levity here. And my dumb response, just off the Berry Hill cuff, well, honey, levitate on out because it ain't going to get any better. <laughs> you can go find the first church of sorrow and knock yourself out. I'm going to close with this. You know, every now and then a pilot has to have two landings. I'm taking the first approach right here. But if we have a strong wind gust coming across the wing, I may take it back up. So a lot of this will depend on your response to this as to whether I close so you need to behave. Because <laughs> if I don't close on this point, it's going to be your fault. All right. A wise man once said, if you're angry, it's because you're living in the past. You're hanging on to something somebody did to you, something that didn't happen for you. So think about it. If you're angry, and I, I, can, I, I tested this myself. Before I ever preach anything, I try to test it on me, and I thought to myself, you know, this makes a lot of sense. Everything that I'm mad about is in the past. It was caused by me living in the past. If I'm angry today, it's caused by something I didn't resolve yesterday. Somebody didn't do me right. Somebody did me wrong. Something happened. Something good didn't happen that I thought was going to happen. I'm angry, so I'm living in the past. If you're, you're fearful today, it's because you're living in the future. You're afraid that things aren't going to turn out the way you want them to. Things aren't looking good. I mean, the, the economy, things that are going on. And, and, and I mean, you just, you just, you're fearful because you're looking into the future. And the Bible tells us not to think or worry about the things tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about those. Today has enough trouble. Don't worry about tomorrow. But we do. So think about this all week long. If you're angry, it's because you're living in the past. If you're fearful, it's probably because you're living in the future. But if you are at peace, that's when you know that you're living in the present. If you're a type A like me, it, 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 I have to fight to live here. I have to fight to stay today. I really do. I admit it. It's, it's a great flaw of mine because my mind is so active. They have all these labels nowadays. When I was a kid, we didn't have ADD. We didn't have ADHD. We didn't have all the other labels and names and initials. It was just, you're a kid, and we're going to spank whatever it is right out of you. <laughs> not paying attention in class? This is connected to this. We're going to fix that. <laughs> there was no medication. It was called a board. Now, I'm not suggesting, I, I like what they've come up with today. Because if, if, if I was a kid today, I'd actually have a booty. But, but I got hit so many times <laughs> when I was a kid because this was connected to this, and I didn't want this to get hit no more. <laughs> but now I could just pop a pill and everything be, okay, cool. 
Yeah, you're right, teacher. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm trying to get that front wheel down right now. <laughs> but I'll conclude with this, and we're taxiing now. We're on the ground. Quit beating yourself up. Quit comparing yourself with others. Quit thinking that God's quit on you just because you quit on you. He'll never quit on you. And the provocation of your soul, that which you feel in your soul, is not God quitting on you. It's God addressing your quit on you. Well, I can never, I, I've done too much. Really? No, you have not done too much to experience everything God has for you to experience. Just has not happened. So quit blaming yourself. Quit blaming everybody else. Quit living in the past. Yeah, your diaper was too tight when you were a kid. <laughs> Slept in a Jenny Lynn bed, which is why you felt incarcerated as an adult. <laughs> I'm getting there. Uh-huh. You want to eat, I can tell. Bring it on home. Get us to the gate. Get the jet bridge. Anyway, so please, please keep on growing. If you're going through a hard time, you say it's been a tough decade, just look at it and say that's a decade of process. The next decade is a decade of progress because I went through the process. All right, let's pray. What everybody wanted to do anyway. God, you're an awesome God, and we are so grateful for your patience, your grace, your mercy, your love. God, you are just amazing, and your grace is even more amazing. Thank you. Thank you that we can laugh not because we made the mistakes, but because you died for the mistakes we made. Not because we sinned and sin has pleasure for a season but because you took us and you cleansed us of that sin and unless we surrender to it it has no power over us so God may you strengthen us to surrender to you not to our flesh and not to our sin but surrender to you with every head bowed every eye closed we always pray a simple prayer that makes a big difference in people's lives who have not accepted Christ I had a hard time accepting Christ because I had so many things in my soul that I didn't think possible for God to forgive me. But I knew I couldn't carry the weight of my past any longer. And finally, one day, I decided to give God a chance. Wow, how bold of me. God is bigger than your sin. And you don't have to give him a chance. He is a guarantee when you accept him. So let's all pray this prayer today. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I declare today I am born again, not because I'm good, but because you are. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, and those of you watching online want to ask you to do something right now, get your intelligent phone out. 
and text the word SAVED, 405-513-10. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.